You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. I'm George. George and Megan. And Megan. And today we're taking a little bit of a time out from Look at the Book. We've been going through 1 Timothy chapter 3. And today we are going to introduce a new series and there's going to be interspersed throughout for the next however long it takes us. Exactly. Right? On spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. Before we dive into what we're going to specifically focus on, um, do we need to address the word discipline? Kind of a negative connotation, but when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're talking about... Spiritual disciplines, uh, those practices that help us hopefully have a closer walk with Christ. And I'd say, especially this one that we're going to talk about today, kind of reinforces the idea that these are also things that sort of bridge that... Uh, that psychosomatic unity, that uh, body spirit divide, this this combination of the fact that we're spiritual and physical beings, um, and I think the one today especially kind of pulls that out. Mm-hmm. I will say, Don Whitney does not say rest is a spiritual discipline. I don't think it's a problem. Don't worry. What are you doing? I know you just undercut the whole episode. Not really. Not really, because okay. it's actually. I it's think important. It's, it's, I think it's important. Okay. Yep, I just got uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, have nothing to do with your reverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself. Yeah. Some striving, some exertion in the Christian life. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. talk about spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Talking about doing those things that train us. To grow in godliness, to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow in grace. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Individually and corporately. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Just throw that in there. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we we just read Habits of Grace by yeah. David Mathis, Mathis not too long ago. Yeah. One of the things that we loved about that book is that it was it went beyond focusing just on personal spiritual disciplines to into corporate corporate, mm-hmm. corporate worship as a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about a non-spiritual discipline, according to George. I just quickly looked through Don Whitney's spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. and Maybe Don Whitney got it wrong. That's what I'm saying. For the Christian life. I mean, Maybe Megan has needs, it right. He just needs awesome. to add He one. does have a section on um, <laughs> silence and solitude, and I would have expected mm. like he would address it there, but it... Maybe I just missed it, but I, I sounds like rest it. and relaxation to me. It sounds a little <laughs> bit like that. I know. We're going to be talking about uh, Sabbath, uh, Christian rest. Say rest, rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you ready? Mm-hmm. Here come the questions as compiled by the deaconess of coziness. <laughs> the deaconess of coziness, indeed. Also known as the Meg. Oh gosh, Megan <laughs> Jenkins. Okay, here we go. How does the world define rest? The world around us. I think Megan wants to go first. I, I can. Okay. So most people that I talk to would say that it is vegging out, doing absolutely nothing. Hmm. 
it can be like numbing your brain with technology or TV. I think that's what it looks like for probably most college students that I work with. There is very little pastors, but go ahead. Sure. (laughs) There's very little intentionality or thought put into how they are resting. Mm -hmm. And I really don't see very much reflection on whether it was actually restful afterwards. Yeah. And, you know, questioning, why don't I feel rested? Why don't I feel better after Mm -hmm. an all day marathon of survivor or whatever? Um, So it, it is a tricky thing. Because the world does not define it the way that we would or the way that I think it actually does give us rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the 20 years of time of our life that is just wasted with the eyes shut sleeping. The, it, rest to the world is, is something, you know, it's just wasted time. Mm-hmm. They try to kind of make it up and end up burning out early because they don't see the value in it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Frequently. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. My experience in America is that it's actually a rat race. It's the opposite of rest. Right. We think of a rat race to retirement mm-hmm. minus the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's also it's, very self-focused. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Right. It's I've got to work, 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 work so that I can have the last 20 years of my life to waste. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's not also in some combination of day to day, just sort of you know, vegging out and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But it is, hey, let's work really, really hard because that seems virtuous. Yeah. And then everybody else is retiring early, so let's try to do that too because we have to keep up with the Joneses. But in none of that do we want the actual Lord mm-hmm. of rest and Sabbath to to be a part of our lives. Um, so, and I think that's true not just for the world. I think that's true amongst believers as well. No, it's an interesting, I mean, if you, even if you think, if you think Old Testament and New Testament, there's this idea of looking ahead and viewing rest out there. Mm-hmm. And that's great, but there's rest in the here and now. And we can kind of very easily reject that in favor of a, it's out there. And I'm going to totally look out there and not ever experience that rest here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's not to say too, that, that work is not virtuous. Uh, we actually, I mean, the Lord has given us. I work think that'll be an do. important part of this conversation. Yeah. Is just mm-hmm. what rest really looks like, even from God's perspective. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, does it mean the absence of work? Right. Or is there a sense in which work is a part of our refreshment? So, okay. Uh, how does the Bible then define rest? How does the Bible define rest? And so, at this point, we're going to give you a whole Bible theology from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> wow. Not univocally. How about that? Like rest is everything from a day of the week to periods of years to periods of decades. Um, It's being able to sleep at night, trusting God. It's submitting to his lordship over your crops. Mm. Um, It is waiting for him to actually show himself in salvation and judgment. Um, And it's ultimately as we get into the, New Testament, it's Jesus himself um, mm. as Savior. He is our rest. Mm. Um, yeah. I So it does, which George could shed more light on this than I can, but I, do, I did read that it comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop working. So even as I was studying this, we see that God established this creator God in Genesis 1 that Prior to the fall. Yes. He modeled for us the first Sabbath. 
And so it says that he saw all that he had made. It was very good. Like you said, work is not bad. Um, but he, <coughs> the heavens and the earth were completed. And then the seventh day, God had finished all of his work. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. So even though God does not tire or become weary or need to rest, he did. And I think that's his graciousness toward us that he would model that. And so rest is not sinful or weak or lazy. If it was, our perfect holy God would not have partaken in it. He actually declares rest to be holy in the day of Sabbath to be holy. Um, we see a difference that God did finish his work. We usually don't get to say that. If we finish one task, there's five others that quickly follow, it feels like. But I think the same could be said for God. In these verses, he he was resting from the work of creating all things, but he was not idle. So he yeah. shifted his energies and his focus and did something different, but he was still holding all of creation together that he just finished creating. Yeah. So move from creation to governance. And it, not only would I say mm-hmm. governance, but mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even use the past tense. I would say mm-hmm. this is seventh day. We're in yeah. his seventh day as he governs the creation that he brought yeah. into existence. Mm-hmm. So. so I think he's just calling us to something different on our seventh day that contrasts with the other six. There's this distinction for him and for us. And so when he established the Sabbath for his people, there's in Exodus 20, verse 8 um, through 11, 8 through, yes. It's the, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It's actually the longest and most detailed one, which I didn't know before I studied this. Um, but it, it applied to all of God's people that... Um, and even those, the servants in their household. So um, those living among them. And it says we are to stop ordinary work and dedicate that day to God. Um, and then a couple other verses that I noticed um, were Exodus 31, where God actually says that if, if anyone violates the command to Sabbath, that he or she should be put to death and cut off from his people. Hmm. And I think... You know, we read that and we think that's so harsh. But when we understand that Sabbath was a sign of the covenant between the Lord and his people for generations to come, it starts to make sense why it's so serious. And um, Sabbath, I think, is an acknowledgement that God makes us holy, not our work. So working on the Sabbath disobediently, like with abstaining from that rest, it really does. It's an act of rebellion. For his people. And the wages of sin is? Death. Death. Well, I think it's pretty important that we see that when God gave them a law, he basically gave them a culture. Mm -hmm. It's meshed in with this. And so we do have to be careful of, as we get into the New Testament, we see Mm -hmm. discontinuity with the covenant, that we don't import more than is is necessarily there. so have because 14. we have the culture, basically we have Christianity, the message of the gospel yeah. is actually cross-cultural a message. So it mm-hmm. starts extending beyond the Jewish culture, which was not wrong, um, but was meant to do a certain thing. And so we, we need to be careful as we get into that. So, yeah. Well, some of that too is just a period of time where, again, the Lord is sustaining. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Sustaining. For us, yeah. it's different. It is. A, it should be 
a time that's devoted to getting sustenance. Mm. He's sustaining. Yeah. That's his rest. <laughs> yeah. Our rest really needs to be a cessation at some points to be fed, mm-hmm. right. to gain sustenance. Part of the issue, I think, is in Exodus chapter 16 as well, where a guy goes out and he's trying to pick up extra is it sticks or manna. I don't know what it is. He's trying to pick up right. something on the Sabbath. And, of course, he gets in trouble for that. <clears throat> but the whole idea there is that he's not trusting the Lord. Right. He, he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to go out and he's working to his own advantage, um, not understanding that it's really to, advantage of his, to the advantage of his soul to just trust the Lord with that right? and um, to live upon his glory, yeah. his provision. No, I think, and it's also, I mean, it's, it's important to see like <coughs> Sabbath in Old mm-hmm. Testament is very much tied to land. Um, it's not just people, it's right. land. And so you get into Ezekiel, you well, you get into Ezekiel 20 and yeah. basically, I mean, uh, well, so sorry, you get into Leviticus 26, 34. It's all about the land. Basically part of the curse is I'm going to spew you out. And it's not just because you disobeyed. But yeah. because you've ignored my Sabbaths, you've treated them with disdain. Right. And then, yes, it is. Ezekiel 20 is basically the idea that my land is going to have rest, whether it's because you're observing it or not, or I will make the land observe it. And so their exile is actually basically the land ex- basically experiencing the rest it should have been receiving all along. And so there's this real feel that, you know, as you get through the early part of the Torah, you have all this emphasis on, on Sabbath. Very little actual follow through on Sabbath through most of the Old Testament period as you start talking about it. Basically, the, the prophets treat it as you, the, the land simply was not experiencing Sabbath, whether it be the, 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 the regular weekly or even the yearly, the seven years, the Jubilee 49 and 50th year. It's just the Sabbaths were not happening. So that tie to the land is important as well as they trust it. And the land you know, is the blessing itself. Is part of the rest that they were supposed to be experiencing. Mm-hmm. Can I so. share one more? <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. So Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. This passage has a lot of similar language, but it gives an interesting detail that I really love. So verse 15 says, Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So resting is a sign and declaration of our freedom in Christ. The Israelites lived as slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt and never had a day off. When they were liberated, God told them to start this pattern of rest. And so for us, too, thinking about how we have been liberated, we've been set free by the blood of Jesus. And so that that really, that blood-soaked privilege of resting instead of striving day after day after day I think it it is a testament to the goodness of God and his power at work on our behalf, just like the Israelites. Well, it certainly comes ahead into the New Testament. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, just how does how does the idea of rest, say even, even from Genesis uh, chapter 1, how does it come forward into the New Testament? Yeah, so I mean... This is where we have to be, the way that Hebrews puts it, really, Jesus is that rest. And so rather than us looking to, one, we don't have the land. We don't have this blessing of the land. We're not a, a physical, social structure that's going to you know represent a, a people in that way. Um, it becomes that Jesus is our rest. And as we are following him, it's a question of are we resting on him or are we trying to carry the load ourselves? Are we trying to reinstitute the form of religion that Israel was supposed to experience 
um, and failed at? Are we doing that? Or are we actually resting in him? Are we inviting others people into that rest? Or are we enjoying it ourselves and kind of pushing others aside? So there's these all these elements of, of that being sort of the, the, the main emphasis is Jesus as our rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. whether we're talking Matthew or whether we're talking Hebrews. So if we're talking, you know, Matthew, we're talking... Yeah. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through twenty nine. You know, I'm gentle and lowly. I will give you rest. I'm, right. I'm the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, right. So th- ultimately, I mean, even from the fall, you see that <clears throat> again. Work, but prior to the fall, uh, he's commissioned to work. Like he's told to, yeah. told to work. The fall happens, and all of a sudden, he begins to work. The difference is, is that it's laborious. Like yeah. it is, uh, it's, it's a toil. It's not going to be fruitful as expected. Thorns and thistles, and all these things. The curse is upon it. Yep. And um, so again, like as you as you're pressing forward uh, into into the New Testament, I think it's important for us to understand that that it's not necessarily the absence of work, but it's the ability sometimes to work under the smile of God. Right. Like knowing that peace and rest with God has been restored through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jesus comes onto the scene. And what, what is one of the big um, issues that the religious establishment of the day has with Jesus? Yeah. Well, so often healing on, on the Sabbath. He's yeah. doing things he's, he's on the doing Sabbath. Work. Right. That's right. He's doing work. And his, his answer is ultimately, you know, it, the Sabbath was created or instituted for man's benefit, not mm-hmm. as this tight restriction on, you know, I can do this activity, I can carry a thimble, I can, you know, guide a camel, I can, you know, what, <laughs> it's not all the little tiny rules as much as it is what, what best suits the life and health and of not only man, but this whole community. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So it's being nourished in the Lord and doing yeah. good to other people. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so... And again, again, play that even further out uh, eschatologically. Sure. Then it becomes whatever we want to call it: heaven, new yep. creation, glory. Uh, that ultimately is is our, our permanent rest. Our rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there we did it. I, mean, I, I told you we're trying to go Genesis to Revelation kind of thing. We you know <laughs> we put it together, we piece like it together. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we mentioned a few things there. Uh, how does Sabbath rest differ from the world's definition of rest? I mean, for me, centrally, it has to do with Jesus. But Correct. Do we, is that good? I think that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus is central, is central to it. He's the only one who can actually give it. He's, he is the one who has risen from the dead. He's returning, and he's going to make all things new. He's going to restore uh, divine rest to and The only way to creation. know that rest now is to actually be in relationship with him and mm-hmm. actually pursue him. You know, as we, we kind of it kept on hitting on Sunday— the whole, you know, you want to go after me, take up your cross daily and follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, that is where you're going to find that rest is actually in following him. Mm-hmm. Although no. all the walking in the other direction is <clears throat> put it on my back and try to carry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have anything specific that you wanted to add to that one? I, the only thoughts I had were the restriction and the selfishness, which y'all already touched on. It's just everybody else thinks of it as me time and you know whatever is it's just is very selfish and it's all about what i can't do or what i shouldn't Mm. do but i think christ gives us a lot of freedom in our rest Mm -hmm. i think in our culture because it's so you know tied to monetary value and that whole capitalism thing i mean retirement becomes almost the replacement for rest we we probably talk more about retirement even than we do about rest in many ways 
um, because that's that pie in the sky. I'll be able to completely not work and my money will just carry me through all, and, and it works for this guy. I'm holding my hands, tiny little amount. It just doesn't work for most people because yeah. it's just not meant to work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's kind of a, a wishful dream. And it becomes an idol and this, mm-hmm. it, instead of a time to serve the Lord and like, I think retirement can be a beautiful thing that I've seen brothers and sisters in Christ sure. use it for the Lord. And it's so, it can be a great gift to the church even, but, yep. but I do think we make an idol of it thinking that we we're not going to rest for all of these years and then we're going to do nothing but rest. And it, it just skews that picture for everyone. I mean, if we do th- th- think in terms of, you know, of commands, we have, you know, honor your father and mother. And we usually are just thinking I'm obedient to them. But if we think of it in terms of care for them, which I think is actually at, at, at stake there, the whole idea of this over-focus on retirement of, you know, that enjoyment of the good life after my working age kind of falls apart unless you actually have a community, families who are actually then doing that support. Otherwise, it's you're on your own to make sure you've raised enough and you've built up this nest egg that you'll be able to carry you through. And we know just with a moment, financial downturn and that, that savings can be wiped out. And if that's what your trust yeah. is in, yeah, ultimately it's, it's an, it's an idol. Yeah. Well, anything that you, that you put your trust in that actually, that does not replenish you, does right. not cause you to flourish as a human being, but just like wears your tail out. It's not the Lord. Right. Like it's just, it's just not. So we just want to be, always want to be careful that we're not putting our hope in vain idols Mm -hmm. and that we are uh, giving the highest regard to the Lord in all things. So to to that, what what is the purpose of the Sabbath um, or Sabbath rest or as we like to call it, the Lord's the Lord's Day, because I do think there's a transition mm. from. I think there's a transition from yeah, Sabbath. I, I don't Lord's use Day. this. I don't. I don't uh, use that terminology, and I don't make that that crossroad, um, just because I don't think new, the New Testament makes it. Uh, the New Testament definitely talks about the Lord's Day, yeah. but it never tries to make this transition um, from Sabbath being a one. We would assume, oh, it's a Saturday thing, and now it's a Sunday thing, and it's yeah. not even that simple. Um, we have a completely realigned sense of what a day is to where they would have said, well, Sabbath is actually Friday evening to Saturday evening. So there's a whole restructuring of just culturally, what is the day? What, what does it mean? Um, and we kind of lose sight of that and just start talking about, you know, oh, we've just moved it. Um, you start talking about the difference between synagogue worship and ch- potential church worship from temple worship. I mean, if you talk about Sabbath in the Old Testament, you're really talking staying at home and worshiping with family, um, you're not supposed to travel. And that's not just added extra restrictions on top from the New Testament. That is, they weren't supposed to. I mean, it was really a local phenomenon. And so going to the temple wouldn't have been necessarily the thing you would do on the Sabbath. You were already there if you were going to be worshiping on the Sabbath. Um, so it was this community thing. So even this idea that we're going to you know, go to church, we're probably most of us, if we're just thinking of a pure, like I'm picking up Sabbath from Old Testament and I'm dropping it on Sunday, then probably in the way that we travel to our churches and do all this other stuff, we probably are violating what we think the Sabbath is. So I try to be careful not to not to treat it like that. I don't think our attending church on Sunday is intended as something where we're violating the fourth commandment. I don't think that's the way that the New Testament even presents it. Um, 
Paul doesn't ever do that as he's dealing with cross-cultural ministry into new territory where they weren't Jewish population. He doesn't focus on Sabbath as much. Um, what he does is focus on those things that they can understand and that they do grasp and are culturally relevant. Um, and so anyway, I find it maybe not as helpful to talk about Sunday as Sabbath um, and more just to talk about rest itself and what Jesus has accomplished in this period rather than try to make it about like I'm, I'm setting aside a day because the Old Testament said to set aside it set, set aside a day. We don't really talk about it that way necessarily. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is it does seem in Romans 14 that there is some debate and dispute about even amongst the church, like mm -hmm. some people view that the there is a day. Some people... Uh, it's the whole point of Colossians 2.16 yeah. is, I mean, basically Paul's saying one person is going to value the Sabbath, one person is not. Don't be judging people on right. what they hold valuable. So it, it, it's not that... The I'm just saying there's a, it seems there is some kind of crossover in Rome, at least, uh, about like mm. they're kind of under some of them seem to be whether it's the, there's a Jewish population in Rome or whatever it is. Right. But some of them are, are, are trying, it seems like carrying it over where they, they elevate one certain day over the others sure. and others are saying, no, every day is the same. And Paul's saying, love one another. Exactly. <laughs> they saying yeah. love one another. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but but purpose purpose of Sabbath. So let's just go back to Genesis. Uh, and what is what is the purpose of God there? It is ultimately trust. I think Megan right from the start. I mean, really hit it off. This is a trust. I mean, if you're an agricultural worker, you're a farmer, and you're told you cannot work on your fields, you cannot take care of this stuff, you can't do this stuff for one day out of the week. That's going to take some serious faith. You know, you got certain days you can work. Um, and you're like, I know it's going to be a good day tomorrow to work. Mm -hmm. The days after that are going to all be rain and I'm not going to be able to work. And you're telling me I can't do it. It's, it is about trust ultimately that yeah. God is sovereign, that he is the one who gave the land and knows how to best govern it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's ultimately trust. It, it, he understands because he created us what we need. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. There's also a family element, I think. I mean, ultimately, again, worship was in the family at this period that we're talking about as we talk through the law. And so this time set aside was time where you could instruct. And it wasn't just in the field, not that you can't teach in that environment, but it was a time where the family could expect that, you know, they're going to get spiritual instruction. Okay. So, you have anything to add there, Megan, just on purpose? So I kind of wrote a sentence to... Mm -hmm. Say a few thoughts. So, um, to cease from our normal labors in order to enjoy and worship the Lord and all he has given us. So just thinking about as, as in everything we do, Sabbath should bring glory to the Lord mm -hmm. and conform us into his image. There's so many elements to that, but that's what I think of the purpose of it. Hmm. Why is it important to God? Do you think? I just thought... If we cannot stop, then he is not God. So resting shows the world that we're under the authority of someone greater than ourselves. It brings glory to the one who truly provides for us what we need. You know, that, that farmer ceasing, he's acknowledging that he can't make his crops grow, <laughs> but the Lord can. And so we're declaring that he is bigger than our greatest problems, and he will deliver us from all of our fears and concerns. Hmm. So I, I stop because God does not, essentially. 
Hmm. And he is never idle. He is sustaining all things. Um, so his, his glory and his holiness are important to him. And this elevates those, those two things, I think. Um, so yeah. we kind of, in a sense, not resting, we kind of usurp that throne that only belongs to him. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there is an aspect there, I think, of his uh, creatorhood mm-hmm. and our creatureliness yeah. is infinitude and mm-hmm. our finiteness. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and just, again, sort of a, a Proverbs 3, 5 kind of thing, in all your ways acknowledge mm-hmm. him uh, as, as the Lord of all. Um, the king in all his beauty. There you go. The king in all his beauty. Yeah, that's right. Uh, George, how can we rest when our lives are so very busy? One, <laughs> probably we're going to unbusy them. Uh, or we're going to busy them about different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, ultimately, if our lives are busy because, well, I have to get the kid to soccer practice and yeah. I have to get myself to this and I have to do this and I'm responsible for this that I took on myself and I have to watch this show tonight and I have to do this extra thing yeah. and... Um, I'm going to eat out. It's going to take, you know, you know, this much time to drive over to that city so that we can spend a huge amount of money. And then I'm going to do this. And it, it's the piling up of things that aren't motivated by sort of a, a all consuming, like passion for God's mission. Yeah. And so, yeah, as we kind of build on top of that, just throw things on top of it without any kind of direction and any thought to it. Yeah. And again, are we after rest for rest's sake? Like when you think about rest biblically, I'm not. I'm just asking. No, no I mean, I, <clears throat> is there an yeah. aspect of our of rest that's it's just go to bed, like rest, you know? Again, even it, even that, God gives us rest so that we can I, better serve Him, and so I, we can yeah. be spirit again. Right. That's that whole psychosomatic. That's that's yeah. a, the whole interconnected thing. Yeah. Even if it was just you need rest, so stinking do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think God has George said that. Stinking. I did. For like, just like me in a sermon, yeah, George's yeah, yeah, yeah. saying two craps. Yeah. <laughs> in a sermon. Oh gosh. Here's my here's my you public did do that. <laughs> my public confession uh, and repentance. Please forgive me yeah. for the two craps comment. It's good. I mean, it's it's ultimately rest is good. Uh, you know, we have Psalm three, Psalm one twenty seven, Psalm like skip Psalm four. They're talking more about sleep, but the whole idea of just being able to put our heads on pillow. And rest in God's care. Yeah. It is important. Yes. And then on the flip side of that, there is a kind of rest that is just rest, which again, it's, it's not necessarily bad, but does it cause your soul to flourish? You know, right. um, there, there's there's both of those things, I think. Sometimes the Lord's like, you need to just take a nap. Like you yeah. just need to stop. Your body has to stop. Yeah. But then there's also another kind where it's like, you need to be in the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you need to be with me. You know, you need to be in prayer. You need to be meditating upon the word. You need to be putting my word in your heart. You need to be going to corporate worship. Mm-hmm. There's actual refreshment that happens when you yeah. come and gather with the, the, the saints on the Lord's day. So mm-hmm. uh, anything else you want to add there before we move along and get into controversial matters? Well, <laughs> I so I thought about actually another song that we sing here. Um, it's called All of Our Tomorrows. Yeah. And I just thought as I, I was... Thinking about rest and Sabbath, the first words of this song are, This spinning world by your own hand hurls ever around on around the sun. The seasons march at your command. 
the old departs, the new year comes. And though celestial is your gaze, you search and care for all our ways. We offer up to you this day and all of our tomorrows. Hmm. So I just was kind of struck by how that speaks to this this decision to stop and trust. Um, another phrase in the song is, we trust you, sovereign of our years. And then it ends with, you finish all that you began. Eternal joy is in your hands and all of our tomorrows. So choosing faith in the Lord knowing that he's sovereign and he's in control and keeping everything running. It's, it's not about us doing those things. We, we have to acknowledge and really confess this sin, this desire to seem like we are sustaining all the things in our lives and keeping all of the plates spinning when really we can't. Mm. And it's foolishness to try and it's foolishness to portray that to the world because it doesn't speak of God's sovereignty it it kind of you know builds up our glory and our sovereignty when it's all a sham. Well, we live like that. It's not just that we lose rest; it's that we actually gain so many things that just destroy us. Mm-hmm. Uh, anxiety, yeah, yeah. right, worry, uh, obsessive uh, kind of concerns and mental toxins. Yes, absolutely, stress and and all these kinds of things. We are a burnout culture. That's what we live in. And so, yeah. And if we don't choose that for ourselves, no, really, I mean, very few people are going to call you out on that and tell you you need to rest. Hopefully, as believers, we have faithful brothers and sisters who will say, hey, you you haven't been resting well. <laughs> yeah. You need to confess and repent that. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, the world is not going to do that for us. So how can we rest? Like, we have to make that choice. Yeah. In getting rest, are there any things that are unlawful for the Christian uh, in trying to, as I said, controversial matters? <clears throat> Watching NFL on Sunday? Sure. Uh, that's unlawful? No. <laughs> that's okay. Let's hope not. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think there's anything that Scripture puts and says, off bar. You, know, mm. you can't do it. That said, if you are thinking, well, mm-hmm. try, try your best. But that's to... not that's not really specific to a day. <laughs> if, you're, if, we're, if we're trying to focus on a day, I'd say, yeah. nah. There, I mean, every day is for me. I mean, it's, it's a day. Yeah. Um, I get it. Lord's Day important. So I will say, if your rest is of the nature that it regularly or even semi-regularly takes you away from the ability to gather with others. Mm. Yeah. Probably something that's a problem. Not because it's a violation of Sabbath, but because it's a violation of your identity as a Christian. Assembly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As As a redeemed creature who is united to Christ and part of that body. Who's gathering in remembrance of the resurrection, the risen Christ who is returning to give us so yes. even if it's, you know, oh, I, I worship God better in nature, I'm going to go, nah, you worship as a part of a unity, a community, not or as a singular. Or do that on Saturday. Or do it on Saturday. <laughs> or or it, come home from gathering any other with, day, with the you know, saints and then go take a walk. Go. There are better yeah. times to mow your lawn <laughs> than Sunday morning from some 1030 to 12. It just, there's better times. Yeah. Um, any thought on working on Sunday morning? So when we were in Boston, uh, we actually met on Sunday evenings. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the folks that were coming to the church had 
jobs, mm-hmm. lower income, you know, but so they worked on Sunday mornings. Any thoughts on any of that? I, I'm going to probably be more of an originalist on this and go, if you're going to have a Sabbath and you're going to say there's a day you can't work, make it Saturday. Get out of the Sunday being the, the, the trap for there. But I still stand by what I said before. You shouldn't be missing service. Wherever your community, whatever time they are choosing to worship, you should be present. Um, yeah. There's some aspect willing. of it that seems to, to be like, orient yourself around the worshiping community. Right. Yeah, I think that's a better way of, of thinking of it. Yeah, part of your rest is your involvement in that community because Christ has part ordained it to be so. Is your involvement. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, regrettable that some people have that, you know, it's if, if at all possible, avoid that because it does, it hurts you to not gather. I, I would say a lot of people are like, well, you have nurses, you have other people mm-hmm. who, you know, okay, that they just get shifted. They have no choice in the matter. And you have somebody working at a fast food chain and that's what they can get. And somebody tells them their work. I would say at that point. You need to find a place where you can regularly worship without that being the impact. That can't be the excuse. Like, I have a job that interrupts where the normal, you know, church hour. Well, then you need to do something. You need to find something. You need to be talking to people who so so that that can be rearranged. Maybe the you know, maybe your community needs to know. Hey, this is an issue. Um, yeah, there's got to be. It's got to be more than an excuse if you're gonna go that road. And my encouragement to the believer in that situation is even pray for favor with your boss Mm. and ask them to not be scheduled on Sunday. I think, you know, people are not totally unreasonable and there are some times when they might be like, Oh, sure. Yeah. Wow. I'm really impressed that you would value something like that. You know, who knows what they're, especially if you can show your, not good behavior. That maybe sounds wrong. Well, if you're but a faithful employee, If you're faithful throughout the rest yes. of the time, if you can show by your diligence that you're not just a, you know, you're yes. not the, the servant who's doing it for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. He actually cares for you know, the, the, the task he's been given throughout the week. I think it's a much easier, it's a much easier sell. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to advance this one question. That's good. Okay. How can God's people rest as a way to share the good news of Jesus? In other words, how does it maybe distinguish us a little bit from the rest of the world? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Reorienting our rest time to include others. Um, That may look like your home is not your sanctuary, your king of castle, and nobody enters this space because this is my, you know, safe zone. Mm. All of a sudden your rest looks more community-like. Mm. Um, whether that's believers or unbelievers um, being invited in to see the gospel and be impacted by the gospel. Um, And it does, it does reorient more than just our time. You can think of it as also the way we, we spend the way we, you know, surround ourselves with things, the way we surround ourselves with food, the way we surround ourselves, whatever it is, those things that we idolize, I think are, as we focus on rest and make that sort of, the dominating thing. Yeah. It, it changes how our lives look in general. Yeah. I think of Matthew 5, the way we're called to stand out as a city on a hill. I think mm. this rest, because the world does not do it well, if we 
do this well, then it helps us to stand out as this beacon of hope and peace. And it draws people to mm. the God of hope and peace that we know. So it's it's imitating the Lord and others seeing that in us. And so that just that stark contrast and kind of a wake-up call to the rest of the world, it, like there is more to life than striving and working. Um, but also our, our stopping, our ceasing to enjoy God now points to the day when everything we do will glorify him and we will enjoy him for eternity. Yeah. So it's kind of this irresistible picture. I think when somebody sees that in us, they want that. And they, yeah. and so it points to the one day, the already, but not yet really of we're resting now because one day we will rest for eternity. Hmm. There's something you mentioned that was in that paper that you did on, on ecclesiology and you had the, the seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. seven things. And one of them was like the, es- the eschatological aspect of mm-hmm. the assembly and yeah. gathering and stuff like that. And I think there's, there, there's some element of that to, to our, so. our rest as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like we're looking to another world. Correct. Mm-hmm. Like our, yeah. our rest. Whatever is, rest we have now is, is still <clears throat> somewhat. Yeah intangible and, and mm-hmm. definitely not the full completed rest that we're looking for. I th- that's the whole point of uh, Hebrews 30 is ultimately, yeah, yeah y- are we going to attain to that rest that we're promised or are we going to be faithless like Israel was? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, really quickly, activities, what, 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 what do you do mm. to get rest? Mine looks different every week, I think. Whether it's just sleeping or Yes. So, I mean, I love to take a nap on Sabbath. Do you think you do this well? I think we are growing in this as a family. So we have two young boys, three and five. And so our Sabbath might look a lot different than George's Sabbath or someone else's with no kids. But we go to the park. We, you know, do fun things with them. We usually do some kind of fun food thing, whether that's grilling steaks and really eating well, or sometimes we do fast and not eat as much on Sabbath. It really, there, I feel a lot of freedom and flexibility in that. Sometimes we do, we do ours on Saturday. So because we do a lot on Sundays and we, Mm -hmm. anyway, so Saturday, sometimes we do yard work, other times we don't. And so there's a lot of different things, but I love to read and yeah. We actually love to cook, and so for other people that don't enjoy those things, they might want to get a break from books in their kitchen, but for us, we, we love it. Yeah, reading, studying, mm-hmm. um, time with family, so definitely, mm-hmm. uh, I say that it's maybe not a day, but you know, one of the things we've done is, is essentially family mealtime mm-hmm. is typically it's at table with everybody else. It's not scattered around the house in your room on devices. And that's another thing is just devices Mm -hmm. off. Um, So I'm not saying set aside a day where devices are off, but there are times there should be fixed times where you just, no, it's not okay to bring your cell phone to the table and sit there ignoring everybody Mm -hmm. at table. This is a time of restful togetherness and, yeah, the, the, the cell phone has no place in that. You don't have to respond to that phone call. It'll wait. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a that's an important element in our society, which demands that instant craving, instant satisfaction is is that element of put it off. It can, it can wait. You don't have to respond to the phone. You don't have to respond to the alarm. There, there's, there's a time for that and a place for that. 
Mm-hmm. And we're trying to help help our kids learn to do this. So I have a friend of mine. She's also, we've been talking about this a lot and her kids are the same age as my kids. And she lets her kids put sprinkles on any food they want on their Sabbath because she wants her kids to be joyful and, you know, just enjoy that day. So I think that's a, a random one for anybody with little kids. I think anytime, anytime we're going to set aside like that, we should be thinking not so much of what we're giving up, but uh, what mm-hmm. that time frees us up for. Yes. I mean, whether that be a personal spiritual discipline like prayer, scripture reading, meditation, whatever, or whether it is allowing other people in so that we can have time to talk to them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ceasing from our other regular activities in order to free up time is very, very different from just saying, well... This time is set aside and I'm going to sulk on the couch because I can't do what I would want to do if I was in control. Right. Yeah. There's a big difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Jenny would say that we do this horribly, honestly. (laughs) But some of it is she is uh, an exceptionally busy person, always finds something to do, uh, has her hand to the plow um, in a a hundred different ways from day to day. Um, We have um, a good many kids running around from four to 13 and uh, they're busy, they're doing stuff, um, different schools, different sports, different this, different that. And so, and, and, um, you know, I'm probably the one that, that does the the most of this, I think. Um, but, uh, for me it is, uh, naps. I love naps. I take lots of naps. Uh, I, I actually do, um, Try to try to be around the people a good bit, other Christians, um, and just have have godly conversations with them. Those are times, seasons of refreshment for me. Yeah. Is just being able to sit down with another another brother, sister in Christ, and and have talk. You know, talk mm-hmm. about the Lord. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I, I I'm probably a little bit different. Uh, the Lord's Day is is a day for me, um, but a lot of that has to do with you know um, preparation for preaching and. Uh, preaching itself, but those things I don't I don't view as like work. Uh, for me, those things are joyful and they're refreshing. Sure. I feel it afterwards, right? But um, but those are sweet sweet seasons for me uh, in preaching and uh, so uh, reading not as much, but I, I do pick up some activities that are just restful activities for me. And some of it is the mindless, um, you know, droning and whatever. It's it's watching it's the time the, for your fiction. You gotta introduce some. I'd rather watch well the NBA playoffs. Fiction. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I've been doing recently. But uh, anyway, we need to move ahead. Will rest change? Will rest change when Jesus returns? Mm. Our experience of rest will probably mm. change. Well, certainly. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> this was a question I asked because I don't necessarily have a fully formed answer, but yeah. So I believe that we will still work when Jesus returns, but it will be redeemed and and freed from the effects of sin. So if that's That's true, Mm -hmm. then I think we will rest, but it will be different. Like George said, we won't have our same, I mean, our bodies will be different. So even like our need for sleep, I think will be a lot different than it is now. I, so I don't know what exactly that looks like, but I do think this is such a central piece of who God is rest and peace and enjoying all that he has made. That's like in the, the character of God. So I think there will be an element of this in his redeemed kingdom to come. And we won't have the sin of overwork and anxiety and the drive to prove ourselves. So Mm. 
again, that just colors so much of our work and rest right now that when it's removed, I think both will be kind of unrecognizable from what we experience now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the redeemed rest and work and what that will look like. Mm-hmm. Anything to add there? I, I thought that was pretty good. I, I think the only thing maybe that could I might add would be all about different cultures and what they have experienced, what they kind of value and mm-hmm. what that looks like when we start talking about rest. Um, for some it's, you know, giving up fighting and just being angry and hateful and violent towards one another. Yeah. And I think the the time in the future is going to see a, a ceasing of that. Mm. We may not talk about that. We're talking more about such leisure, yeah. but we're talking, we, we, we tend to talk in these terms because we live with such mm. peace that it's sometimes hard to, to really think about it. Yeah. We get inured to the fact that a lot of other people, it's just the, the struggle to make it the next day, yeah. um, whether because that's just the way of life or because that's the moment. And yeah. I think we're going to see a whole bunch of people experiencing rest mm-hmm. in, in different ways. They're going to they're going to they're going to enjoy that rest differently just because of where they came from. Yeah, all the things that dominate our lives now in terms of disease, death, sin. Uh, you talk about Finished. interpersonal friction, bitterness, yeah. all those kinds of things will be wiped away. Yeah. Everything that causes us tears will be wiped away. Yeah. We'll have peace, rest, peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll have. Dare I say shalom? No more or death. something like that, but real, legitimate yeah. uh, shalom, uh, right? And yeah. um, we will be at rest with the Lord Jesus. And again, just to kind of bring it back to Him, He will be the at the center, the centerpiece of uh, of our rest, uh, and it'll last forever. It's it's not a it's not a rest uh, for, that we will have to ever really awake from. We'll be fully awake, right, and resting. Yeah, uh, and that'll be glorious. Yeah. So, amen. All right, amen. Excellent. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Nice.